Oh my god! Just oh my god! Ryan Johnson just put a grenade in the mystery box and blew the whole fucking thing up. I think we're here to remind people that death is, is certain and a sweet escape from annoying Star Wars fans. <laughs> Welcome. Hello, hello. Matt, during our discussions with the prequels, you mentioned that people don't realize what they like about Star Wars. I, yeah, I, I, well, I, I think it's a consistent theme of mine, yeah. <laughs> which is pointing out that fans don't know what they want. And we misremember and, why we like the things we like. Um, oh boy, do we. And I, I would like to add to that, that I also do not understand anyone on Earth anymore. Like I said, there's that problem with that. There's these, the vocal Star Wars fandom. I just, I can't imagine how their thinking works. And right off the top, I gave several reviews. One little quick written one, and then a shortened spoiler-free video one on The Last Jedi on the channel. Uh, it is very clear to me that I love it, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know I love The Last Jedi as well. But Matt, no one knows what you think yet. You might have gotten an idea. I did, um, yeah. But I, all I'm comfortable is saying, I've seen it twice, I think I love it. It's, it's a movie where I don't think it's right to walk out of it and like say if you love it or hate it as soon as I have, you know? I completely get that. It, even walking out of the theater with with a bunch of people. Also, shout out to Bobby Moynihan, who uh, was nice enough to accompany me and the group of people that we went to go watch it with at the Disney lot. Well, we all walked out. Uh, not Bobby Moynihan. He left on the credits rolled. Just as quickly as he entered my life, he exited it. Um, <laughs> but everyone else, we were just kind of like, hey, I, I don't, what? <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot to process, regardless of whether or not you end up loving it or just realizing it's not for you. You kind of just got to experience it for yourself. And meet it on its own terms, which is another recurring theme. Maybe in like a week or two, I, I will have reversed where I, where I stand on The Force Awakens. Because try- I was trying to find contrarian opinions on the movie. Oh, no. Just so I could like get a grasp of like what, people, like what people's hang-ups were. Some of them were like very subjective, which are stuff where I can be like, I understand, but I don't agree. But most were like fanboy ridiculousness. Even if I come around and I decide I don't like this movie, I'm always going to respect it. There's, there's too much good in here to just dismiss. Even if someone points out something that I haven't thought of yet, like, oh, did you realize this movie accidentally endorses Nazism or something? <laughs> like, I, have, I don't think the movie does, but I don't know. I'm not that perceptive of a first-time viewer, especially when I'm in a theater. But where I'm at right now, I think I love the movie. And it contains enough great things in it that it, it's worth existing. Yeah, everything I, I said in my, my quick rundown, uh, video and written-wise, still stands. And I think I love it even more. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely love it even more. Uh, I went on a little Twitter rant last night before I realized there was a backlash to it, which is a nice period, you know, when you come out of a movie, just like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is 
like it doesn't matter what other people think at the end of the day but it's nice to just be in your little bubble for a second and be like this is this is this is like it's it's something i it, it it's it still left me kind of speechless at the end there it is definitely not a safe entry and even though they're like individual little moments or some plot threads that some people could say like oh well that's kind of like empire strikes back it's really not like all the characters are separated there's a a walker sequence but it's really not at all. So if you come away saying that this is another retread of the original trilogy, like that's basically on you by this point. Like, I don't think that's too Sorry. like subjective or objective to say. Also, bless you. Yeah, if you say this movie's like Empire, you're wrong. Like if you like, yeah, in very broad strokes, but very broad strokes. There's a shit ton more happening in this movie than just Empire repeats. Yeah. Like, oh my god, if that's what you took away from this movie, I, I don't know what to tell you. The complaints so far have been very strange. Very uh, fanboy-centric. And they're very much, they're waging a campaign right now. So I'm guessing someone's, or like, at least giving some sort of orders. You can see, like, the same comment under every Star Wars video right now. If you go, like, any Star Wars review, you find basically the same comment. Uh, and it's upvoted about the same number of times on every page. Oh boy. Let's talk a little bit about the, the opening. So uh, the big question for, I think a lot of people was, well, is there going to be an opening crawl? How is it going to like, what's it going to say? And uh, one of the big complaints with the force awakens was that it didn't really give a lot of backstory for the universe surrounding the characters as good as the character stuff was like, what is the, the first order? Like, where do they come from? Uh, what is the new Republic? Where's their place in all of this? And you get enough here, I think to kick off the story where essentially they've destroyed the new government and they're seizing power throughout the galaxy. That's all you need to know, I feel like. Yeah, the first order is waging war, and the Republic is caught totally off guard. And the only people really fighting back right now are the Resistance. You pretty much get that, and I mean, this movie kind of makes you feel how fucked the Resistance is pretty quickly. I think we're going to be doing this throughout the entire show, but uh, God bless Ryan Johnson. Oh my God. <laughs> this... Oh my God, the, the way he raises stakes in this movie so consistently. Another time we talked, you brought up that you wish Rebels was a show about losing. Uh, and I quote, need that right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like The Last Jedi is exactly that idea, like, yes. personified. Not <laughs> yeah. only that, I, I, I think I mentioned it in one of these episodes. But I think I mentioned how when Luke went back to Dagobah in Return of the Jedi, right? Yoda should have said that now that you understand failure, you've completed your training. Yeah. I believe I said that, and I believe I was quoting Brad Bird. So guess who shows up and says that exact thing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so. that made me so happy. Like, not just because we there were some directions we had discussed that would that would benefit the characters, like Ray coming from literally no one, like her yeah. origin doesn't matter. Like it's not just oh, that yeah, we, guess, we wanted those things, it's that they help the characters grow a certain way in new ways. Ryan Johnson just put a grenade in the mystery box and blew the whole fucking thing up. Because <laughs> it doesn't fucking, most of it doesn't matter. And that's what's great. I mean, we find out who Ray's parents are. They're nobodies. Although there's, there's enough wiggle room that if someone wanted to change that, they could. I would hope they, they don't. I pray to God that doesn't change. Um, don't do that. I wouldn't mind if her parents show up. I wouldn't mind that. I would like them to still be losers. 
we don't learn anything about Snoke. And because guess what? We don't fucking need to. Exactly. Because he, he is a character who is important to their arc. He's not important in and of himself. Yeah. Here's some, uh, that, there's a mystery to Snoke that's probably very interesting, but it doesn't need to be explained in this film. We could do that in another movie. Because the end of this movie pretty much clean slate. Uh, yeah. There's any direction it could go. And I'd be interested in most of them. Yeah, it's, which could be a blessing or a curse. Although I have an idea of one direction it's probably going to go. But I have, we'll get to that. I have so many. <laughs> it is going to kill me well, for two years. There's fan, there's, there's fan theory, and then there's like what would be a likely thing. Yeah, and I have both. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, and it's very much a clean slate, and it very much it kind of puts Star Wars in a place where I mean, that's the weird thing. I actually think there's a bit of a meta story going on here about how the Star Wars story needs to keep happening, that you can't just end it, that it needs to continue beyond what it was, which is which is really great for Disney. They can keep making them. The, the last shot of the movie, I'm a little like mixed on still after seeing it twice. I, I like the idea of it, but it also to me is saying like, look at all the sequels that are out there in the galaxy. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I feel like that's an unfortunate byproduct, but definitely not the uh, the artistic intent. I guess I don't know. I felt there was some intent. Mm. I guess I guess we'll get we'll get around to that then. Because um, this is also a story about how hey, if you want your stories to continue, shit's probably going to go bad. <laughs> and uh, again, it's it's about failure and learning from failure because uh we're going to talk about the individual like story arcs and how they all culminate together how you're basically on the edge of your seat screaming oh my god oh my god oh my god is this happening i think <laughs> every 20 minutes in this movie i was like did that just happen because <laughs> i couldn't believe it and then by the end it was like every other scene i couldn't believe what i was watching at times and i was like who let this out <laughs> Where you're just like, they, they let him do that? And, I, and from what I understand, they really did just go, hey, tell whatever story you want. And I was like, holy shit. I'm also now very interested to figure out what got Colin Trevorrow fired. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read that book one day. I, I guess let's start with the, uh, the Resistance escape stuff, since we opened with that already. Yeah, yeah, well, there's the escape. I was a little prepped for some of the stuff in this movie, because Ryan Johnson, like, months ago, maybe not even months, like a year ago, like, gave a list of movies he was showing the Lucasfilm people to, like, get an idea of what he was going for. And uh, one of them's a really great World War II movie called 12 O'Clock High, which is about bombers, World War II, and, you know, basically doing bomb runs. Like a, like a very uh, unsuccessful bombing group, whatever you call them, yeah. getting whipped into shape and not wanting to, you know, do what they are ordered to do and learning how to work as a unit. And that's very much set up for Poe Dameron's arc. Yeah, it was like, it was 12 O'Clock High, Bridge on the River Kwai, Gunga Din, Three Outlaw Samurai, Letter Never Sent, which is really good, To Catch a Thief, which is also interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I missed that one, holy shit. Yeah, he mentioned that one, I think only like a little, like that was mentioned separate. He's mentioned a couple movies, so I would suggest checking all those out. That's like, that, that whole scene sets up the first story with Poe and him not following orders. And you get this great, sequence with those bombers and just from the beginning it's like a slaughter <laughs> and you're like oh no and even um, though yoda yoda appears in it and i think i actually fucked up on my spoiler free review because i mentioned the the quote that i think attributes to a lot of ideas in the battle sequences of this movie that war does not make one great that is not a prequel line although for some reason i thought it was when i was recording that 
Yeah, so that's the, on me. the prequels would never say anything that intelligent. <laughs> um, that's really Poe's arc, and then it kind of attributes to like Finn a little bit at the end there too. Well, everyone's got everyone's got their own arc, and all the arcs are kind of connected in a way. And not 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 I mean like of course they're connected by the plot. They're all very similar, like searching themselves type arcs. Even and even Luke has his own you know arc, and he never um, leaves the island, and he has a fully formed dramatically and narratively satisfying arc. Yes. That's incredible. Although to talk about the first arc, I think Poe's arc might be the only one that I had like problems with. Um, that's not You're true, wrong. actually. Wrong, but, but go well, ahead. No, no, I don't mean like problems as in like, this is a bad idea for an arc or that it didn't feel, it just, for one, he throws a mutiny later in the film. <laughs> and I think everyone took that a little too well. I mean, because Poe literally fucks up so bad in this movie. That he's responsible for, like, the Resistance being, like, massacred. That's on him. That was bound to happen anyways, but he made it worse, for sure. No, he, it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't sent Finn out. Oh, fuck. Yeah, no, you're right. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I mean, and, that's, and I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with him being that much of a fuck-up, but he needed to be treated like that much of a fuck-up. I get that in the moment, like, Princess Leia would be like, we'll talk about this later. Like, right now, we just got to survive. Uh, I hope to see some follow-through on that, because if I was a member of the Resistance and Poe did that, I would be fucking pissed. And not only that, there's a direct connection, because Poe is basically responsible for Rose's sister's death. Yeah, and they, there's never uh, a confrontation between them. So. Never, they, I don't even think they speak. Other, no, they do, in the one scene when they're planning, but there's never, like, an emotional moment with them. And I'm, I'm a little iffy on um, Admiral Haldo, played by uh, Laura Dern. I'm a little iffy on her not letting Poe in on at least part of the plan. For the narrative to play out, that, or for the, for the ideas to play out that way, I guess, I'm okay with it. Mm. And also because he did get a shitload of people killed in the opening sequence of the movie. And so if it's a need-to-know basis... He is definitely not need to know at the start of this movie. I get that. I get that. But how should I say it? Like her, their relationship, it totally makes sense. It makes sense that she wouldn't trust him with shit. And she thinks he's a bit of a hothead, right? It makes sense that she would probably keep that facade up and wouldn't let him know anything because he just keeps acting like a belligerent jerk. But to the point where he basically says, hey, look, I came up with this plan all on my own. I would probably tell him then what was going on. Yeah, and then that way he'd be like, oh shit. And be like, hey look, you, you just probably endangered this whole mission. Whatever, I mean, it's, it's a cooler arc because it, it plays out really well emotionally. It's just, that one that was the one I felt the most like strain in terms of plot versus character. And it wasn't enough, it wasn't like it broke anywhere for me. I could see that one breaking for someone um, but it didn't really break for me. And oddly enough, it's not the one I've been, I've seen people complain about that much. I haven't heard any complaints about that storyline. Yeah, people, people love um, Poe. And I mean, he's a great character. Yeah, I love, I love him too, yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. I just, I think it's weird that there's all these people going out going like, this movie doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, you know, I had a couple problems with this, but they're not talking about that. <laughs> they're like, are they really in this slow chase? Like, a lot of people have this problem with the, how the, the fact that there's like the, the resistance is literally on the run. To me, that's fine. It made sense to me. It took me, I, I was a little bit like, this is weird. Like, it, for a minute, it took me to get like, oh, wait, oh, so they're out of range of the Star Destroyers, and they can keep at a, at a speed that'll keep them out of range. And there's a line in it very specifically where when they get that far away, they can't even cover their fighters. So it wouldn't be worth, you know, sending TIE fighters out there. Which comes, which that explanation probably got missed because it comes at a very pivotal. I can see why people might have missed it. That plot detail is thrown out there right after Princess Leia gets sucked into fucking space 
The oh. audience I first saw that with went dead silent. There was there was a lot of gasps, mm. and then some whispering afterwards, like. I was like, that was me. <laughs> that was the first real moment for me when I was like, the fuck, the fuck just <laughs> happened? And I was like, 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 you know, my face just like froze and I was just staring at the screen like, holy shit. And I'm like, did they really do that? <laughs> and I, I, I didn't know how I felt about it at first. I was like, I don't know if that was the right decision because this, is, this yeah. is a little heavier given the uh, real life tragedy of the passing of the late great Carrie Fisher, rest in peace, who is amazing in this movie. Mm. Like she's really good. She's really good. She's it's it's so upsetting that she's gone. Just because Carrie Fisher was like such a great person and she does so good in this movie and it's very clear that she's supposed to be a big part of the next one. Yeah. Which is a damn shame. Part of that scene, the thing that makes that scene like not that like it didn't like I don't know, the, that kept me in suspense is the fact that they very clearly show her get sucked into space. Like, and to me, in my mind, I'm like, why did they show that? And so, you know, you know the cogs turning where it's like, well, is, is she alive or is something going to happen there? It, did she let herself get sucked into space for some reason? And then you get that moment where she, I don't even think she's conscious when she does it. I think she's, uh, it's almost like her internal instincts kick in. And well, then it's almost like when uh, like Cora or Aang goes in the Avatar state. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've heard people call and, this out as ridiculous. And I want to say, no, just no. It's this, this not even worth it. And that got... Well, no, I mean, it got cheers in your audience. I didn't get too many cheers where I was at. Well, the first audience, the second audience I saw it with was kind of quiet. There was like this group, mm-hmm. of, this little family next to me, and they were like eating it up, though. That was cute. There was a girl, there was a, a girl in front of me at the second screening who was fucking losing her mind. I'm glad she had a good time. I actually liked the moment. I was I was also a little weird where I was like, wow, we're going there with this. But that's also, I mean, is that's other than premonitions, that's the first time Princess Leia has used the force. And, and then obviously it, it did hint to something bigger. And it's it is so sad that this this is the last like yeah. Leia. It's a damn shame. I don't think it's hinting at anything bigger though. Um, I, I I think there was going to obviously there's no script for nine, so this this is no way, shape, or form certified to have happened. Mm. But I, I think you could have done a lot of interesting stuff with Ray and Leia's development together. Yeah. Which is not going to happen now. Yeah. Well, for me, the one is that uh, I know Ryan Johnson wrote at least an outline for what episode nine was supposed to be, right? Well, he was hired to do that. And then I think he initially did. And then he was like, no, nah, they're not going to, they're, they're going to start fresh again. Like I think I Colin did. Trevorrow might have thrown it out. Yeah. And then people realized that Colin Trevorrow is a moron. And so now they're stuck with, they don't know what to do. But, um, but they kept Ryan Johnson around. I almost wonder if they, you're giving Ryan Johnson this other trilogy just so he stays in the office so they can keep asking him questions. <laughs> like, please help. Yeah. because We uh, don't know how to end this. We don't know what to do. I almost like wonder, I don't think Ryan Johnson's this type of guy, but it does feel like he took away all of the toys JJ could have used and fucked up. Uh, my buddy Patrick and I, Patrick Campbell, uh, shout out to Real Film Chatter. Mm. He he made a good point where it's like it's trimming the fat because you don't need all this to tell the story, but he utilizes that fat from the Abrams era and Force Awakens to still push the characters and the the narrative forward in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. But you know you don't need Phasma, you don't need Snoke, but you can use them to to push the characters forward. Then he does, and it's great. Well, this is a good. This is a good time to refocus everything. Yeah, 
Because the first movie, I mean, I, I'm a defender of The Force Awakens. I know it's very divisive for people. Like, all these films apparently are going to be forever. I think that's when you got you to gotta start that one really fat with, like, limitless potential. It has to be able to go in, like, tons of different directions. And this is the one where you kind of got to go, here's where we're going with this story. So now that they have that set up, it's going to be very interesting. Um, but I just want to say, I think Jumping to Ray might be a good one. Also, talk about great, like, classic, like, flow in this movie. <laughs> I, okay, that was, that was one of the notes that I have written down. I, I know this movie is, like, big, but it doesn't have bloat, really. And if it does, it's, it's still utilized in a way to talk about what the movie's actually about. So it's really not bloat. Mm -hmm. But the editing is so good in this movie <laughs> because mm -hmm. a lot's happening, happening. Ryan Johnson tosses a lot of balls in the air, and then he just starts juggling them. But it's not like, I don't, oh no, oh no, oh no. Uh, at least on the second half. In the first half, I was a little uneasy the first time I watched it. You know, the movie progresses and you're like, oh no, this is the most amazing thing ever. Uh, and then the second time, I was totally comfortable just going into the rhythm of the movie and just, oh my God, just, oh my God. Yeah, it just, I, the way it was setting things up, paying off, like set up, pay off, just going from location to location because you're literally jumping across the galaxy at times. Yeah. And just little um, lines of dialogue, like, you must have a thousand questions, buddy. Where's Ray? Boom. Yeah, Ray. boom. We're, we're Ray. Uh, uh, where's Han? Boom. Catch the guy that killed him. I mean, it's very simple. I'm not, like, trying to be, but, you know, it's fucking how few Hollywood movies these days actually do that shit. Yeah, it's just, I like that. It was just fun, and I mean, you know, this movie doesn't have to have, like, fucking F for fake style editing. Yeah. <laughs> but Ryan Johnson's very, a very good filmmaker, so it was nice to see him kind of playing around. And so I just want to jump to Ray really quick, because that's what the movie does. Probably one of the best moments of the movie, which is when she hands the lightsaber to Luke Skywalker and he just throws it over a hill. That was hilarious. It's a joke, but it's also, like, very serious. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a very important moment. Where I mean, it's very much saying, like, hey, don't expect what you thought. That's basically all that, like, hey, the thing we thought was super important from the last movie, fuck it. Forget it. Now we're in this story. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a different cinematic language, like the way they make their movies, uh, Johnson and Abrams. They're two very different directors, but not in a way that it feels alienating to like jump from one to the other. Yeah, I think that's the most surprising thing to me, too, about both of these movies is how well Johnson's voice is like intact. But also it feels very natural, even though they're doing totally different things. Yeah, like this really feels like a nice little duology. Like, a double feature of these is probably, like, the most epic fucking thing ever. <laughs> it's still a little weird to me. Like, that was my... The, I never mentioned it, but my biggest concern for this movie, honestly, leading up to it, is just the fact that it starts immediately after Force Awakens. Not because I think that's a wrong place to start. You kind of have to with the story. That it's something that Star Wars had never really done before, so I was, like, worried about doing that. And it did it fucking fantastically, so... You know what I noticed a lot that was... This is a nitpick, but it's something I noticed a lot. There's a lot of clear ADR done on the back of people's heads. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah. First one, right, with Ray. It happens with Ray. It happens with pretty much every character. <laughs> it happens with Princess Leia at one point. It happens with Finn. It happens, I mean, honestly, I, it, it, it happened a lot, which makes me, it, it, I think it's a sign that they definitely were trying to trim this down at one point. Supposedly, like, the first cut was over three hours. And I think this movie is a good two and a half hours. Some people are saying it's long, and those people are wrong. I will say, even though the pacing was improved by my second viewing, like, it just flew by for me. I, when I got up, I was like, that was a little long. Not in a bad way. The only thing, the only thing that made me feel that it was a little long is that I thought 
the climax had happened, and then there was another climax. <laughs> yeah. um, there's the Bad Boys 2 thing, where there's like seven final acts. Yeah, well, thankfully it didn't do that. <laughs> uh, like, once we got off of Snoke's ship and down onto the planet, I'm like, all right, I guess we're over. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a battle that's about to happen. And that was the only time I was like, oh, this is a little much. But re-watching it, honestly, it, it flies by for a two-and-a-half-hour movie. I've seen much longer films that were only two hours. So Luke Skywalker's place in this story. Uh, Mark Hamill mentioned that he was uncertain, to say the least, of the direction his character took. But thankfully was also like, this is not my movie, this is your movie, director Ryan Johnson. So I'm here to fulfill your vision. And boy, did he, because he's really fucking good in this too. And uh, Luke is uh, not... Not the, the person who we last saw at Return of the Jedi. No, he's not. He's a guy who's completely given up. And that's also, I, I mean, that was one of the things I knew going in was that he's a guy, you know, it's in the fucking trailer. He wants the Jedi to end. And that's, that was also a concern because it's hard to do a story where a, a guy is like, hey, when you go to a character, hey, let's go on this adventure. And the character's like, no, over and over again. It's hard to make that interesting. But this movie did perfectly fine with it. It didn't ever feel like, you know, you weren't, I was never sitting there going like, come on, Luke, get it together. I'm like, well, I actually want to see what Luke's point is. And uh, he decides to finally teach Rey uh, three lessons why the Jedi need to end. And he has interesting points. He is disillusioned, but not entirely wrong. And it's interesting, like, theological ideas about, like, power and the Force and how it doesn't belong to anybody that is hubris. I think he says, or something along the lines yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. It's very compelling. Vanity. He says it's vanity. Thank you. Yeah, vanity. Also, nice prequel name drop. Just nice to, to get one of those in there, because we don't really see that ever. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, I should... I Actually, here's a good time for me to defend the prequels a little bit. Um, because this takes probably one of the more interesting ideas of the prequels that I completely glossed over in our prequel retrospectives, because I was too angry about having just watched those movies. <laughs> um which I think just confirms my point that the prequels are very interesting to talk about, not very interesting to watch. But one of the ideas that Luke basically throws out in this movie is that like the Jedi Order had become really fucked up by the time of the prequels. They were just ego-fueled and self-centered. I mean, that's where a lot of people go, like, the justify the Metachlorians thing, which I don't actually think needs to be justified other than it's bad screenwriting. Yeah, like, you could have made Metachlorians work, but... Just you could have totally, yeah. and part of one of the points is that they say, well, the re- metachlorians are because the Jedi were way too self-focused on the Force. They were studying this stuff because the Jedi Order was trying to create a chosen one. Like, that's, like, they were so obsessed with creating this chosen one that they actually ended up creating their downfall and ignoring what happened to the galaxy. Um, the, basically, that theory posits that the Jedi are actually the villains of the prequel films, which is a very interesting take. And uh, I actually like that idea. Is it executed well? No. <laughs> but that's a very interesting idea. And uh, the information is all there in the prequels. This isn't, I don't think you need to like, this isn't like EU stuff coming in. This is all in the prequels. And I'm willing to say it's actually intentional on Luke's part. Um, if not for the fact that he showed like kids training in like a happy environment that felt like Harry Potter. Uh, it's also worth noting that even if you, you you don't have to like the prequels to appreciate them, you don't even have to really appreciate them if you don't want to. Don't discard the ideas that are there. Yeah. Because if you look at the Last Jedi, 
it, it takes those ideas and runs with them in a wholly new way and explores like the repercussions of actions from their past and how it's affected this nebulous future because they kind of need to build it from the ground up now. And that's, that's some heavy shit. Yes. <laughs> so to Luke and Ray's stuff, not only is Mark Hamill like remarkably talented as an actor, he, uh, I love the moment when he first shows Ray like, uh, oh, like reach out and then she literally reaches out mm-hmm. and like just kind of tickles her and then slaps slaps her wrist away. Yeah. Um, it's a good like dichotomy between the two characters. But uh, well, he doesn't finish the lessons. Yeah, he doesn't. I, I noticed that too. Yeah, he gives two lessons. Well, I, I'm guessing that the third lesson is for all of us. Yes, I, and, I wanted to and, go around to that, but let's just talk about it then. Well, what do you think it is specifically? Uh, the last one is, is really about uh, acknowledging the roots of the Force, I feel like, in that trying to confine them into structures that have failed isn't going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. It may have worked for a time in the past, but it clearly grew faulty. And bad things happened, and the Empire rose, and, I th- and they're still dealing with the consequences of that. And I think that can apply to the Republic itself and yeah. the New Republic, because one of the things that's actually a hang-up for me about the newer films is that they founded the New Republic after defeating the Empire. And I think doing that, it just, you end up just making another Republic that can be taken down again. <laughs> I think they should have just been like the United Systems or something like that. Um, and then show maybe how that could be corrupt in a different way. But the, the final lesson, I think, is, is pivotal to that last moment in the movie, that last shot. Even though you've noted some uh, less than stellar implications from a capitalist standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the context of the movie, uh, is that the Force is, is always going to exist with or without the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. And... There, there is never going to be a last Jedi because the Force isn't something that runs out. It's not something that goes away. Just like the idea of hope in every Star Wars movie because they have to bring that up. That's like the, it's like the through line through Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, it's always going to be a little bit that sprinkled throughout the galaxy, even when, uh, when, when people don't see it directly. I think Haldo brings up a, a line Leia said that we never actually hear from Leia where... If you just believe in the sun, when you see it, you'll never make it to the night. Yeah. Really great line, too. A lot of great lines in this. There's a lot of uh, sun stuff going on in this, too. Oh, my God. We'll get to the last one. Holy shit. Yes. I was a mess. You notice how, and here's something that, like, people are, I'm guessing a lot of people walking out of the theater probably won't even notice, even though it's, I thought it was fairly obvious when that kid uses the force to move the broom. Yeah. Very I, uh, very quickly, there's no attention drawn to it. Yeah, it's in the wide. It's yeah. just, that, that's such a, a weird, peculiar decision, but in a good way. Like, it's, it's unorthodox. Well, and, I think that's uh, important to show that it's just out there, that the force is out there. Like, I, I have nothing to contribute to that other than, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I was like, <gasps> like uh, I, I was pretty shocked throughout this movie for a lot of it, but that was the one that got me like, <gasps> You could, I, I noticed that in the second time I saw it, you actually could hear like pockets of people going, <gasps> but then yeah. other people looking around wondering why people did that. <laughs> so um, I thought that was a little neat touch. You know, we started this by saying, let's talk about Ray, and then we didn't talk about Ray. Okay. Well, uh, we talked about Luke. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Ray then. Um, She's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Daisy Ridley's got a lot more to do in this movie, and she does a great job. I think the moment that I started realizing that this movie was definitely going to be a lot different 
was when uh, she wakes up one morning and she can just talk to Kylo Ren, which was so odd in how it was done that I loved it. That they only explain as much as you need to know about that. Because we're not seeing what the characters are seeing, really. We're seeing what, like, what Ray's seeing. We're just seeing Ray reacting to something. You know what I'm saying? There's only, a balancing act. They see it, and we don't. Well, there's a balancing act in how that, that those scenes are done that could have easily been fucked up or way too overproduced. And this one is so subtle in a way that it makes it more effective. Just the way and the cross-cutting and the editing on that is so good. Like, two characters can have a conversation like that on, in completely different locations. I thought that was a pretty incredible moment. Uh, and uh, this goes without saying, because it's Star Wars, but the sound design is, is like, impeccable. But particularly yeah. in those sequences, it, it feels like they're in a room together, even though they're shot on two separate locations. Yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> Who the fuck is Ryan Johnson? Also, uh, there's a brief moment. I just want to point out this. This is a moment I only noticed the second time, because it's very quick. It's, and no attention is drawn to it, but uh, when Ray wakes up one morning, gets off the Falcon, and it's raining, she had this big dopey grin on her face, and she was like feeling the rain coming off the Falcon. And when I saw the when I saw it for a second, I was like, "Why is she making that face?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, she's probably never seen rain." Yeah, I, I was because uh, there's a set photo from that they were showing like all over EW and stuff. They're like, "Oh, all the like the first look stuff," you know. Uh-huh. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to cry during that scene. Mm. And you're right. They don't draw attention to it. Mm. Uh, but uh, especially because she's in the rain earlier when she's chasing Luke around the island. And you see, like, all those weird monsters and stuff. And I was, like, eating that shit up. Uh, but then I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're not doing that. It's kind of a bummer. And then that little bit happened before her and Kylo start talking again. And I was like, oh, okay, they did it. That made me happy. It's just a, it's just a brief little moment. Mm-hmm. It, uh, like she has a line in the first one where she's like, I didn't know there was that much green in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's Ray's a very sad character. <laughs> yes. We think we should, we should always uh, remember that in these movies. And it, she gets even sadder lot. in this one. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, we got to talk about how um, for one, she, she has uh, when she has her first force um, experience as guided by Luke, she fails the test basically. <laughs> like immediately. She, well, she is so drawn to the darkness, she doesn't even hesitate, as Luke puts it, which freaks him the fuck out. But that's not entirely his fault. That's not entirely her fault, because as we are also told in that scene, Luke has cut himself off from the Force. So he couldn't guide her in any way. And he basically just threw her in the deep end. Yeah. And that's a lot of why some of the events of this film don't play out very well. Everyone has a part to play to, to make their world a better place in this movie. Well, it's also a very... What I like about that is that it's both a a character element it's a very important character point that lucas cut himself off from the forest but it also explains a lot of the movie because how else could luke go into hiding if he was if he was still part of the force like couldn't snoke have sensed him yeah, especially because um, he's super powerful and talk about great editing on that scene um, yeah. her vision sequence and then I, I just really quick i love the quick shots around the island it reminded me of of uh the way johnson directed looper or like, there's yes. some really trippy stuff happening, but it's the way it's shot, you can digest it really easily. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel too surreal, if that makes sense. No, no, I get what you're saying. Well, she goes down, then she goes wandering around the island on her own. After she's been told that Luke tried to kill Kylo in his sleep. And we don't know if that's true or not. Oh, yeah, um, very uh, Rashomon. Or like, yes. uh, the truth is a little hazy. 
perspective is a big thing and how it turns out it's it's complicated. And we're, we, we never know what is the real truth because there is no real truth, which is great, <laughs> especially for a film like this, which is something you'd never see in these type of movies. Uh, you don't think uh, by the end Luke had told like the official truth or at least the most of it? I think he told us what was true in his heart. That's all I can say. <laughs> I think he did feel that way. That doesn't mean his actions matched his feelings, which we actually see a couple times in this movie. And so she goes, she finds that pit beneath the island, which I don't think we're ever told how she gets out of that, but that's fine. Like, we don't oh, need to know that. You, you tweeted it out earlier, right? Where the cinema sense thing, they're going to have a field day. Yeah, oh, they're going to fucking just, I, I could just see it unfolding that they're going to have such a hard time following this movie. Their fucking peanut brain. And like, why do ships go slow? Like, <laughs> what happened in the cave? Like, yeah, why? How do you get out of a hole? That doesn't make sense. I just, it was like, so, and someone sent me that CinemaSins official Twitter, like, they're like, some good moments, but it's a, it's a hot mess. And I'm like, oh, fucking course. And other legions are going to repeat whatever those fucking tools say. And I feel like the people that are responding negatively to this film come from that school of thinking. I completely agree. There comes a uh, point where you just don't know how to watch a movie a certain way. Or at the very least, mm-hmm. come across realizing... You, you can't realize that something's just not for you, even when it's well made. Well, our consumerist culture has trained all of us to think that everything is supposed to be for us. <laughs> And then when it isn't, we react, like, with hostility. And much like yeah. the Force, I'm wrap it around, art does not belong to us. Not No individual, anyways. Someone yeah. can make it, but it is a nebulous concept that should be shared with everyone. Art, art belongs to no one. And everyone. Huh? Huh? Yeah, that's where I was going with that, but okay. Yeah. Public domain! <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to start a hashtag on Twitter, put Star Wars in the public domain. Fucking do it, you cowards. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see the overthrow of our government by then, so then it'll happen. So one thing I want to point out is that uh, both Ray and Luke are constantly wrong in this film. Oh yeah, what's that, what's that line Luke says? Uh, he repeats it at the end too. You're wrong about all those things, basically. Yeah, he like said something like that. just said was wrong. <laughs> And Luke is wrong, too, except that by the end, he seems to realize this. Yes. But the one is that uh, Ray believes that, because she's been talking to Kylo, Ray begins to believe that Kylo can be turned. Because, hey, it happened to Darth Vader. Why can't it happen to Kylo? And Luke believes that there's no good in Kylo, and that he can't be turned. And they end up both being wrong, <laughs> which is great, in a way. Also, we didn't, we, we talked about it, but we didn't talk about the implications, really that um, Luke created Kylo Ren, essentially, and that he, yes. he's brought about the next villain of the Star Wars universe, the next omnipresent overlord, essentially, by the end of this movie. Uh, not as clear-headed as the previous antagonist, obviously, which makes mm-hmm. him that much more interesting, too. But, uh, but he also, uh, we also learned that Snoke has been, had been influencing him for a long time, at least according to Luke. And that there was darkness in him before he went to see Luke. But Luke was also trying to tap into like his untapped potential. Yeah. Uh, much like Snoke was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Very important um, that 
the film addresses that he's basically felt manipulated his whole life. Kylo Ren, I mean. Yeah. Very important for what is to come later it, in the it, movie. It, very, it basically explains why he does everything he does. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to point out that uh, we're not going to be able to talk about everything that happens in this film. Yeah, Because no. <laughs> holy fuck is this a dense movie. I just realized I'm trying to like juggle all this stuff, and there's so many avenues we could go down. For that reason alone, I think that makes this a great Star Wars movie. Yeah, is that we're going to be able to talk about this one for a long time. Same way I feel like people are going to talk about Empire. And if I'm being honest, this might be just I'm riding a Star Wars high right now. Mm. But I, definitely after my second viewing, it's, it might be at least the favorite one I've seen in theaters. It might be my, my new favorite Star Wars movie. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going through a really lengthy process of discovering just how much I adore this movie. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't expect to love it that much. I, uh, we were both pretty optimistic about it, but oh my god. I am in no way ready to rank any of them. Yeah. Um, now. Uh, and even when I will be, I will say that both the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back are on such nostalgic pedestals <laughs> that it'll be hard for me to logically dethrone them, even if they should be. <laughs> You'll have Which to wait totally a while. Fair. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, I think we can take, is there anything else you want to say about Ray? Uh, uh, not at this point in the movie, but I, I do like that, or I love that her and Luke uh, continuously call each other out. And they're both yes. working out their feelings, which uh, I don't know if people know this, but that's a lot of what Star Wars is, mm -hmm. is people dealing with their emotions in vastly different ways and being wrong and failing and learning mm -hmm. from that failure. And I feel like it's a little hard to admit. I brought it up in The Force Awakens. If you can't get on board with some of the ideas that are in that movie because it's more than just a rehash, which is also important to acknowledge, I think, for people to accept this movie, that your heroes will let you down. If you're going to have trouble with that then, I think people are going to have trouble with that now. <laughs> Specifically yeah, and, um, now. I also think it should be pointed out that uh, Pablo Hidalgo, who is uh, part, of the, part of Lucasfilm, I think he's part of the story group. Um, yes. He's on Twitter. And it's also a very divisive figure among Star Wars fans. I love him because he seems to get a kick out of people who get mad at him. But uh, he points out that uh, a happy ending is only when you decide where you decide to end the story. So, you know, you're not guaranteeing eternal happiness just because if you want to continue a story, that probably means you're ending, you're destroying a happy ending, which is what oh, you're going to kind of have to do. I like that. I, I didn't see that tech or tweet. I, I like that. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. I didn't realize he was talking about The Last Jedi when I saw it. <laughs> so, I don't know. People are so, are so upset about Luke being, like, a miserable old man. And I fucking love it. Like, I just, I, I love that his character has gone in this direction. Because it's not because, I, like, it's, I'm not like, this is so dark and serious. It's just interesting. And I don't think it destroys anything, but that's just me. I don't get yeah. these fans. I don't get... And also, I think a lot of them feel that they're being personally attacked when Luke goes, Luke Skywalker, the legend. Like, and he calls out that idea of being a legend because the old EU is now called Legends. <laughs> I think some fans out there are taking that as a personal attack. Oh, I could totally see that. Um, and as a lifelong Luke Skywalker fan, like, he's my favorite Star Wars character mm -hmm. ever. 
And uh, so this movie was a little hard for me at times. We'll just say that. The fact that if they don't explain thoroughly, they at least explore the idea that he, even though, you know, he's, he's a great hero, doesn't mean he's a perfect human being. How, depending on how far he went with the origins of Kylo Ren or whatever, the fact that he felt the need to exile himself anyways, just for even, like, let's say he did just think about it and decided not to murder him in his sleep. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think that idea is more compelling because then just the mere thought and the shame of himself uh, at himself for, for even like considering such a heinous thought is mm-hmm. bad enough. But then, you know, he has to live with the guilt of creating a monster who has killed one of his best friends is disrupting uh, what should be a peaceful time in the galaxy. I mean, Star Wars, nothing yeah, really peaceful. It, it makes sense in context of the story. I think at the end of the day, this is what a lot of the movie has to, to, to offer is that every decision here makes sense in context of this story and uh, the directions and the characters. It, it, it all fits. Even sometimes it's also, if, it's, if it's at the expense of what people might consider plot propulsion or plot logistics. I also want to briefly talk about um, Luke. Uh, well, Luke, you know, he's a lot of his driven, he's driven by the fear that he's repeating the mistakes of the old Jedi Order, which now that he's learned more about, he learns that they were kind of fuck-ups. So at some point, Luke decides he's going to burn all the Jedi texts, the old sacred Jedi texts, and then decides he can't go through with it. But thankfully, Ghost Yoda shows up and does it for him. <laughs> Not only does he do it for him, he snickers while he yeah. watches history burn. Just fucking burn, baby, burn. Yeah, laughs his ass off about it. Oh my god, that was great. <laughs> that was a great little moment. <laughs> Page turners, they are not. It was great seeing Puppet Yoda again. Yeah, Puppet Yoda superimposed with CG. Yeah. Good mix of yeah, the I, I, old. Yeah, it was a good little mix. And uh, it makes a little more sense to me because he's kind of like a force ghost, so he kind of does look a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and they answered, the, the puppet... the, they, wait, they answered the question about uh, how come the, the force ghost sits in Return of the Jedi? Because uh, I guess when they're on like our plane of existence they still uh maybe have some physical texture or something to them because yoda hits luke in the the forehead and i thought that was cute yeah if you're gonna have a guy sit you might as well have him do that (laughs) and then he has a a nice little line about uh how they lost ben solo but they could still save ray they shouldn't lose her don't lose uh, her just because you failed once gotta learn from failure luke yeah a beautiful, beautiful little send-off for essentially both those characters. Uh, a little yep. more Luke, obviously, at the end of this movie, but uh, I, I really love Yoda's last line to him, where uh, he says, we are what they grow beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the uh, the something of all masters. That is the, the burden uh, of all masters. Thank you. And uh, that yeah, is... That's... Oh, it's so good. That's a great line. But let's jump back for a bit and talk about uh, Finn, who wakes up from his coma um, to go on his little adventure. Did you like Finn more here than you did in The Force Awakens? Um, yes. I still don't think... I still think there needs to be a better Stormtrooper character than him. Just because he never really seemed to believe in being a Stormtrooper. And I would like a story told from like a true believer's perspective. Like Phasma, except she's a main character. 
Which she definitely is not in these movies. Which she isn't, but she's used very well in this one. We basically find out that we very quickly find out that the Resistance is in deep shit because the uh, First Order has found a way to track them through hyperspace, which is something that apparently you can't do. But now they can, so now they're fucked. So anywhere they jump, they'll just get followed there, and they're running out of fuel, so they can only jump a few more times, or they can stay out of range of those ships, and they got to figure out a way to get away from them in time. Uh, Finn decides that, fuck it, we're not going to make it. Um, this is after, actually, no, this happens after uh, Leia is almost killed, and is then she ends up in a coma. Finn gets a hold of this bracelet that we're told that can track, that uh, Ray can find her way back to when she needs to. So, like, you know, like a little bit of a MacGuffin thing, a jig. And he decides, well, if we're fucked, I gotta get out of here, because Ray's just gonna come back and she'll get herself killed, so I need to get out of here. So he's, he's not leaving for selfish reasons, even though he's accused of that. He is leaving to protect Ray, but he's also not thinking of the resistance in any way. Yeah, I would argue he's still, he's being selfish because of his desire to protect his friend so he's still still being short-sighted and close-minded but um it's not the same arc that he goes through in the first movie at all where he's just like oh i need to get the fuck out of here yeah this is this is a movie about him trying to figure out what he's like where his loyalties really lie and he ends up choosing wrong in a weird way and uh he is immediately caught by uh rose who's an engineer um who she's a big fan of his because she heard about, uh, you know, Finn escaping from the First Order. Finn basically being a key to, you know, bring down Starkiller base and saving the day. And But then she finds out that he's a bit of a phony. Although not really. Um, but they end up teaming up when they both kind of make the connection that they know a way that they could stop being tracked through hyperspace. I just want to briefly talk about Rose, who's a, who uh, I really love. I adore this character. I love Rose. Although I think there's a couple missteps with her arc. One is that we're going to have to talk about where it ends. She, she mentions that it can't be about fighting against what we hate, but fighting for what we love. Um, and I, think, I feel like they need to drive home the point that she is more fighting out of anger because of her sister's death. And she's because she no longer has someone to fight for, really. She was, she was fighting with her sister and presumably for her sister, but now her sister's dead. I think maybe they need to drive that point home a little more. But I, I don't know. It's kind of there. For something that where she kind of just states that at the end, it felt a little off, like that hadn't totally been earned. I feel that it was earned enough, but uh, you definitely could have pushed it a little bit more. I'm not 100% sold on the kiss either, and I don't want to jump directly to the end without skipping over Canto Bite, which is, I think, oddly enough, the the big controversy of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the legitimate controversy, not everything else. Um, Well, just a hang-up. Everyone's hung up on that. There you go. I think that works too, the kiss. I, I don't, that one needs to play out more for me to, to, to fully understand because I think the characters have a good chemistry and good rapport together and I get it. But maybe, maybe I'll feel better with a couple more viewings. I don't think it doesn't work. I just, uh, I don't know if that scene needed it. But I will say mm-hmm. it was like gloriously old Hollywood, like an explosion going off in the background, <laughs> a kiss. Oh, that was... You know what? No, I've come around in it right now. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. That was great. Uh, well, oddly enough, I think it makes sense for Rose to kiss Finn, but I don't think it makes sense for Finn to kiss Rose, which is kind of how that kiss plays out. Um, so, in a way, it works. We'll have to see how they follow up on that one. We're immediately told that 
uh, by Maz Kanata, who they communicate with, who's in a union dispute, and I hope she's on the side of the union. <laughs> Even if it would be hypocritical, hypocritical for a uh, corporation like Disney to support a union. So that, that's a brief moment. She says, hey, there's a guy we got to go find. Like they basically say he's got like a flower insignia on his jacket. He'll be at Canto Bright. He can basically hack into anything. Anything. <laughs> yeah. I love um, Maz so much. Like she's not a oh, yeah. she's not the deepest character, but she's perfect for these types of movies. Just like a really fun supporting character you know? who's always there to be like, hey, here's this happening in this part of the world. All right, great. Bye. You know who Maz reminds me of? Danny DeVito on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Because <laughs> he always knows a guy. <laughs> like, every time there's a plot point where they're like, whenever they come up with something stupid on the show, we're like, hey, we need to start stealing, like, you know, priceless items. They're like, I know a guy who can break in. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> give all of Frank's lines from Always Sunny and give it to Maz. They, like, run into her on Canto Bite. Oh, I dropped my... Uh, <laughs> can i offer you an egg in this trying time <laughs> Woo! so they have to go to canto bite which is a like casino planet and this is the point a lot of people are like this is they're like this subplot is boring which first of all it's not a subplot but whatever it's the fucking plot of the movie the, the subplot would be the romantic connection between finn and rose but the plot of the movie is that you got to go to canto bite would you consider it a, a detour not in a negative way because it doesn't start off that way but then you find out it was but it was a necessary detour given that it's about these characters learning to fail well no you need to go there to get this character right right you need to go there to get this hacker so it's not unnecessary in any way even no, if no, they no. leave with a different person no no, no they still they, need they, to go there no, I, I, uh, I didn't mean like unnecessary like you don't need it in the movie you need it in the movie because they they failed at the end of it. Um, yeah, in a way. But to me, like the thing is, I could understand you could probably have cut Canto Bite. You probably could have gone, We need a hacker. Let's get uh, we know a guy who works below the ships, and that's Benicio del Toro. Or maybe he was a deserter. And you can get him and then he ends up just being like a turncoat at some point. Like he wasn't even part of the resistance. He just got caught up in this whole thing. You could have done that, but that would have fucked up the whole movie. For one, we would have been stuck in on those ships for way too long. And it would have gotten boring being stuck on those ships. Well, you need to mix things up a little bit because you literally would only just be going back and forth between the ships and uh, Luke's Island uh, on Octo or Octu. Octu. And that would have been uh, boring. You need to mix things up a little bit. So you got to go to Canto Bite to mix things up. And it becomes essential to show the, the reach of, even though it's a peacetime, uh, uh, war is always going to be profitable. And that is shockingly relevant <laughs> always, apparently, yes. in, in, in reality. And I know some people are like, well, there's more politics in Star Wars again. It's like, what you fucking, there's always politics in Star Wars. Just because you didn't notice it doesn't mean it wasn't fucking there. It's because you and, were too fucking dense to pick up on it. Yeah. Uh, and I and, get it. You watched Star Wars when you were five. You didn't understand. But guess what? You're an adult now. Act like a fucking adult. And uh, the fucking. Canto Bite stuff. Also, it's very Ryan Johnson with the dialogue when Rose is like, oh, love to put my fist through this whole damn beautiful town. Like, that's <laughs> straight out of Brick. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. But when they're showing like just how nasty everything is, even when it has like a beautiful coat to it, it, it is, uh, you, can, you can look at it, you can admire it, but you have to be aware of it mm-hmm. also. And, well, that's uh, any that's any casino, really. <laughs> yeah. And when they're going around, they 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 meet the kids, and she shows them the little the little ring, and you you're seeing the the new rebellion grow. And yes, how they're always people in need of of help and hope. Although, and, hold up, I very much want it to stay as the resistance and not turn into rebellion again. Uh, I'm okay with keeping it the resistance, but they started calling it rebellion again a lot. I know that kind of bugged me. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Probably a marketing decision. And uh, some people were like, "Oh, well, it's just touching on animal rights activism. Like that's weird to put in a Star Wars movie." Uh, one, no, it isn't. And two, it's nice to see that people also missed the point of this subplot entirely, yes. or not a subplot again. Just now, I'm fucking saying it because everyone's stupid and pissing me off. Yeah, it's 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 important to know that people miss the point of fucking the most obvious shit ever. Like I don't get, and this doesn't seem that super political to me. Like, hey, war profiteering is bad. <laughs> like that's <laughs> like a that's villain like, move. I mean, what the fuck? That's like a villain thing. That is basically the extent of it. People are like, oh, it, there's yeah. too much happening there. It takes away from the main story. Like this, this is the story. It's about yeah. This is fucking. Like we're the, talking the about the gray areas of of uh, the, the toils of war. The sides get a little murky at times, and. Specifically important for Finn because he's finding out where he belongs. You know, Rose already knows. And I, she's got this wonderful optimism in her that reminds me of, like, uh, Luke Skywalker. Even though they're totally different characters, I think that's a similar trait that they have. Fuck, Rose is great. Rose is great. Well, she's got, she got optimism, but she's got an anger underneath. Yes, she's, she's uh, way more feisty than Luke was. Luke mm. was like, I wanted to go to Toshi Station. <laughs> And then she's like, I'm going to fucking burn everything down, motherfuckers. I'm going to start a m- minor revolution on a planet I was only supposed to be on for two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. It's my side gig while I'm visiting. <laughs> but also, this is a good, it, I mean, there's a theme, there's a, actually an important, like, story element here, which is probably that, you know, the reason the First Order could rise is because a lot of these people wanted to hold on to their wealth. So, you know, they would work for the First Order. Because I'm guessing the Republic didn't want to build up a giant military. Just throwing that out there. It's, um, it's almost like everything in the movie attributes to a larger overall story in some way. Yeah, it's almost like they're telling multiple things at once. It's almost like this is a movie. <laughs> Fucking dolts. Yeah. Like, I really don't um, want to get too much of the negative stuff while we're talking about the actual movie. But, like, it's fucking hard. Because everyone... It's hard not to, because it's just... the stu- I'm hoping that this is just, like, a wave, and then... We'll get, because, I mean, right now, so far, everyone who's more sense, all the people that seem to like it are sensible people who approach it more as film fans, and all the people who seem to be angry are, like, Star Wars nerds. The Star Wars nerds will get, they'll, they'll get weeded out after the first week. I'm hoping other people will start talking about it. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, DJ, Benicio Del Toro's character. Um, yeah, so he has a stutter. And uh, I, I, I like this character a lot. Shout out <laughs> to whoever made sure they cast Benicio Del Toro and not Johnny Depp. Because <laughs> they so easily could have cast Johnny Depp in that role. I feel like every Johnny Depp role should now, until the end of time, be replaced by Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, is he even named in the film? I don't know if he is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember if anyone calls him DJ. 
uh, you think someone would ask him his name at some point. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe that got cut just for time. I, yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. And he gets he gets caught up in their adventure. He's going along to make a profit. And I gotta say, uh, one problem though is that like the first interview Benicio del Toro gave about his character, like like over a year ago, he said, "Oh yeah, I'm playing a bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> So that and that was one of the few I'd read, so I like knew what was gonna happen with his character from the start. But in a way, I honestly think I would have been able to figure it out had I not known that, because everything about Finn, Rose, and Poe's arc, you just know from the beginning it's gonna fail. You know it's not gonna go well. I didn't know it was gonna fuck up that badly. In a good way. And and yeah, well I had a feeling it was gonna go pretty bad, and it's just this torturous just watching it play out. And honestly, they set up, they put the resistance in such a corner in this movie that any hit they take feels like a massive hit, you know? Yeah. Like, any blow they take is just, like, it feels catastrophic. So the fact that they could even get slightly damaged by what these idiots are up to <laughs> is, like, terrifying. <laughs> oh, um, I, uh, just as a whole, I love that this movie uh, kind of dials back on them. Um, the superheroics, I guess, of like characters that were more often found in the prequels and a little bit in The Force Awakens, not the bullshit Mary Sue argument or anything, just the characters, I really like that they lose and it's often of their own design. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're not that clever <laughs> until they are. And then there are moments where it's just like, finally, woo! Well, they all got the right intentions. They just don't think things through correctly. Yeah, and they are intelligent, but they're what drives them, fucks them up. The very things that make them good are the very things that kind of bring them down in a way. We are the spark that'll light the fire that'll burn the first order down. going to go the way you think fulfill destiny big man on campus yeah no, he, he definitely he, has more of a soul than i gave him credit for yeah and but not not in a way that is hopeful for sure um yeah actually yeah yeah in a way that is that actually makes him scarier more like a, a more competent joffrey baratheon i feel like if yes i could see that yeah and uh makes him scarier and a really really interesting antagonist because if he wasn't the main villain in the galaxy he was the main villain for our story the primary antagonist <laughs> He is by the end of it, like, on a grand scale. Well, it's almost like an evil empire was formed, and then it got handed over to an even more evil person. Yes, that. <laughs> Which totally doesn't reflect anything happening today. Yeah, he's, he becomes very frightening by the end of this film. But before that, uh, he gets mocked by Snoke, who we see in person in this film. 
um, and who has a great throne room with his guards. Oh, I and, love that set. I'm sorry. I just need to talk about that for a second. The the drapes. I didn't even know there were drapes initially until the fight later. They it yeah. just looked like this. It's lit so fucking well. Who's the DP? Hang on, I gotta I gotta give props. It's Ryan Johnson's DP. He worked on all his films. Steve Yedlin. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they always work together. Just mwah, chef finger kiss thing. It's this is a beautiful looking movie. Great. And and that throne room is just oh stunning. Just um, marvelous. Okay. Um. But yes, Snoke, real. Snoke's a real guy, and he actually has powers. Um, and even though he's not a giant like I wanted, he's a little bigger than a, an average person. He's big, and uh, he's got a messed up head, and he looks great in this movie. Oh, the um, CG is is scary good. Um, it's definitely there's definitely some puppetry going on too. Um, there's no way that was all CGI. Oh no, I think uh, 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 Circus did the the motion capture work mm. for it. And so, like, there's these little ticks that you, you can't achieve with a fully CG character. Like, these little inflections in the way they move, you know? Yeah. yeah and that was, oh, just a total pleasure to watch. I, I loved But if those, those teeth looked real. <laughs> yeah. some, I, I don't know. If those were CGI teeth, that's some pretty fucking great CGI. Uh, you know what was really unsettling to me? Not his wound, not the way he spoke. Not even his hands, uh, although they're pretty big, and that scares me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, his eyebrows are really unsettling to me. Yes. <laughs> they look like naked mole rat hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks like a naked mole rat. He does, hey. Oh, like if a naked mole rat fell into like the vat of, of toxic waste that the Ninja Turtles fell into. I don't know. I got to look into it. But did they do any puppetry on like his, his body? Like, I know you, you talked about um, the mocap, but I don't know. Something about Snoke looked really good in this one. Like, his face was still clearly CGI, but his, just his body looked very real. Um, I know there were reports of them using, uh, like, some sort of puppetry for a, a giant Snoke, but then I think that was debunked because he wasn't giant after all, and they made it an announcement that he was not a giant. He was, like, eight-something feet tall. Um, that's still fucking tall, though. No, no, that's fucking huge. Uh, but he's, I, I, I expected, like, or I wanted, this was, a, this was a personal desire, like a 20-foot-tall Snoke, just because mm-hmm. I think that's so weird and goofy and, like, yeah. out there. But uh, totally happy with this. And I, I don't know. They must have done something because the way, like I said, the way he moves, it's, it's very peculiar in a way that can only be achieved by physicality. Yeah. Not, not, not a computer. I just thought Snoke looked great. Is is visually just an accomplishment, and uh, he looked a little cheap in the first one. I mean, it was a hologram, so you can kind of get away with it. But like, you're wondering what's what's the point of this character, other than like an emperor replacement? Like, what's his part to play in all of this? Where's he from? What's his motivation? Good questions. Not important to none the of, story at hand. None of which are answered, thankfully. Yes. Because guess what? They don't fucking matter. Exactly. We never knew what the Empire was up to, totally, in uh, Star Wars. They were just kind of trying to control everything. And I kind of want to see that in the next one. I don't want to jump too far ahead for our end stuff, but uh, I want to see the First Order fully, like, extend their reach and be like, all right, we're in charge now. Flash forward a few years ahead, and then they're dominating everything. And then 
how unwell Kylo Ren is clearly going to handle that pressure. <laughs> Just because of like reality, they're going to definitely have to have a big jump forward. Um, we'll but, see. Like we were talking about, the, uh, the important story isn't between Kylo Ren's and, and Snoke's origin. It's about the here and now and how Kylo Ren felt manipulated his entire life, essentially. And mm-hmm. he, he just snapped. Very similar to uh, Anakin's downfall. Uh, Quality-wise, is different and debatable, for sure. But I, I see some similarities there. Where he wants to be Vader, and in a weird way, he's more like Vader than he'll ever understand. How him and Rey are the only ones that really understand each other at this point in their lives because they both feel either abandoned or misguided by a previous generation. And they're the only ones who know what they're going through. And in another universe, they're probably best friends. And it's, it's not overly hinted at, but maybe even something more. But that's not the world they live in. They, they live in a very fucked up one that severely damaged both their psyches. And they're both going to process it in different ways. You just briefly touched on the fact that there's actually a huge subgroup of Star Wars fans that heavily ship Kylo and Rey. Yeah, which is disgusting. Which uh, creeped me the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, well, you know, girls can like bad boys. (laughs) Whatever. Hey, go ahead. A lot of of girls like Loki. (laughs) And that Tom Hiddleston's a good-looking fella. Yeah, uh, both both but, of these people in this movie, good-looking people. Yeah, Just, uh, uh, the characters they play are uh, a little different. Although, although Kylo Ren kind of looks like a goofus at times. Oh yeah, like, uh, I think one of the most common complaints, complaints from the Force Awakens that kind of bleeds over to this I've already seen is that you know Kylo Ren's not like a big old badass. He kind of is at times, but he. I'm paraphrasing here, but they're like you know he's not that cool. I'm just like, well, fuck it. <laughs> No, yeah, he's, he's not. Because he's, he's not. Yeah. No, he's, he's, a, he's a very sad little boy. And what does Snoke uh, tell him? Like, a lot of great lines in this movie, but he tells him, like, uh, you're just a child hiding behind a mask, and then he yeah, destroys he mocks, that mask. Yeah, and th- which it means that that mask was probably Kylo's idea. Yeah. Also, can we talk about that? If Kylo Ren came up with his own name, Ren... Ben. Not, not a creative fella. <laughs> no. Ben's Nights doesn't sound as good. No, it sounds like a, a fast food place. Yeah. <laughs> so, just wanted to throw that one out there. Uh, and this is another nitpick. Uh, no appearance from, or understanding of what the Knights of Ren are. It just feels kind of like a throwaway line at this point. From The Force Awakens. Um, kind of, but... Uh... There's a lot of great setup for what could happen in the next movie. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's why it's just a nitpick for me, really. And uh, also, it's not important to this movie because... You don't need them. Yeah, you don't need them. This is, this is a long, gestating attack sequence with a handful of characters from all over the galaxy in one location, essentially. And that's it. That's all you need because that's all the story needs. Mm-hmm. And there's probably going to be an appearance next time, I think. But uh, we'll obviously where the story goes, who knows? But um, yeah, Kylo's upset about being manipulated, and uh, even with Ray like holding out hope for a potential friend, it's not going to happen that way. They both still want very different things. Yes. And um, 
the maybe one of the top five moments in these new Star Wars movies. Kylo Ren kills Snoke. Cuts him the fuck in half. I was genuinely wondering what was going to happen there. I was like, okay, he's probably going to turn. But I was, I'm not going to lie. I was getting a little nervous in that first half. I was like, oh, they're trying to make him look a little nicer, trying to make him, uh, I don't know. And then you see that he was kind of manipulating Ray too, even though hmm. he wasn't exploiting, or he was exploiting the, the new relationship that they had with one well, let's another. Let's bring it back for a second. Because there's one point in it where uh, that's in the trailer briefly. Kylo Ren makes a run on the uh, resistance ship when it's es- escaping, when they, f- when they catch it in hyperspace. I'm after a hyperspace jump. Um, yeah. And he destroys their hangar, which kills fucking... Ki- we directly see kill characters very brutally, mm-hmm. um, which is another moment where you're like, oh, the resistance is fucked. Also, Noah Segan. He kills Noah Segan, uh, another Ryan Johnson uh, constant in his movies. Oh, oh right on. Yeah. Um, did you see Gareth Edwards in this? I did. I'm happy they still have a better relationship than some of the other directors they worked with. Um, I didn't. I noticed that uh, there wasn't a Trevor O cameo, <laughs> unless that got edited out. So those people can also just to point out, I, I noticed that there's a lot of uh, just gonna say sexist fanboys saying that uh, all the girls kick ass in this movie at the expense of the men. Um, we see quite a few female characters die on screen. Yeah. Because that's what happens in war. So, and it's not in, a, in an exploitative way either. It's just, it's what happens. So, so Kyle makes the run on the ship, and then he, he almost kills his mother. Um, but backs out of it. And supposedly that's the moment where Snoke probably sensed Ren's hesitance, right? Yeah. Kylo had to have known that Snoke would sense that. So he was probably playing Ray a, a bit when they made that connection. Because when Snoke reveals that Snoke is the one that actually connected their minds to the Force, Ren is like a little, like shows a little bit of surprise, but not a lot. It looks more like confirmation to me. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I, I think he was genuinely surprised, and I think that he was confused about how he felt because even at the end of the force awakens, he's clearly conflicted after killing Han, you know, like when he's shouting traitor at Finn while beating his bloody side, I mm-hmm. think there's a little mixed signal as to who he's actually referring to and what he's feeling. And here, when he can't pull the trigger on his mother, that I agree. That's when Snoke realized like, all right, I gotta, I gotta tighten some loose ends here, but I, I don't think he fully agreed to turn until uh, the throne room confrontation. And it's not even I really... He made up a, it's more taken advantage of. I think he made up his mind before that. I'm not saying when he first started talking to Ray, but at some point, I think he might have put the pieces together. Hmm. Because he's a lot more confident going into the room than Ray is. Ray is uh, acts confident, but then is almost immediately cut down. Ren makes it very clear that he knows the truth about her parents. Um, which he doesn't reveal immediately and waits to reveal that. So he knows that turning her isn't about giving her over to Snoke because Snoke's not pl- trying to turn her. Snoke's planning to kill her. So when Ren's talking about turning her, he means turning her to his side. So I think Ren knew going into that room he was going to kill Snoke. I, I can get on board with that reading, even if I don't fully 
agree with it, but it, it, it's a good one. I, I, I wouldn't dismiss it. And it makes sense to me. Yeah. It made sense yeah. second time watching it, because I did not think they were going to fucking kill Snow. I was stunned and realized very quickly that that was the best possible solution to this narrative mm. thread right now. Well, th- for me, that was the moment where it's like, now this movie can go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I felt, at least. Not just the movie, the trilogy. Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously, we're just talking about one movie at a time here, but that just, that, that really goes to show that the third one is, is it can't be Return of the Jedi now. There's no way. Yeah, like you could try to do it, but that would just be a total miscalculation. Yes. And it would, it would fail so hard. And J.J. is known for his miscalculations, so... Uh, yes, um, but I, I think he can learn, too. But I think... Uh, I, yeah, I, I also think that. And um, I think he's maybe smart enough to see what Ryan was doing with this movie. Because now he just he doesn't have all the toys anymore. Yeah. So he had... Because then we go to that. Snow killed. And there's the amazing fight with the guards... Uh, which is probably one of the, another just amazing lightsaber fight. Is there any lightsaber dueling in this movie? No, there, there actually isn't. isn't. Yeah, there's one uh, lightsaber fight, and it's with the guards, and Ray and Ren don't even fight each other. Yeah, in that sequence, I think it is so beautifully filmed and choreographed with the 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 background tapestry like lighting on fire and. Um, just the the colors and the lightsaber sword play, it is just oh my god! It's nothing overtly fancy, but everything's really well choreographed. Uh, the way the camera flows between both of them as they're fighting the guards, and it's just oh god! It is so good. It is so ridiculously good. I I was like just I couldn't believe it. I, yeah, I'm still I was... speechless just thinking about how satisfying that was. It was terrific. Yeah, and they're, they finally seemingly come to terms, and they really don't. Because yeah. Ren still doesn't give a shit about anybody else. And it's, it's genuinely a little sad when she's like, like, oh, quick, there's still time. You can save the fleet. You got to order them to stop the attack. And he's like, no. Yeah. And she's just like, please don't do this. Like, it is, it's kind of heartbreaking. And is that when he, that's when he plays the trump card, right, of he knows who her parents are, right? Yeah. So, didn't work, Kylo. No. But, um, tried your best. Yeah. Oh, my God, he's totally a meninist. Like, I mean, we kind of brought it up another time, but, like, trying to, like, manipulate a woman to, like, mm. his favor and just, uh, I, I can't wait for him to just, like, die alone. Or at least, like, I'm waiting up, to see. Like, somewhere. I'm open for him going anywhere at this point. The fact that Snoke is dead now just totally changes the dynamic. But also, let's just talk about that. This is the part where all the storylines start coming to a head. Rose and uh, Rose and Finn have broken on with Benicio del Toro. Oh, yeah. And they're going to try and shut down the, the hyperdrive tracker, and they get caught. Uh, uh, Poe Dameron stages a mini mutiny on the ship when it's revealed that uh, Laura Dern's plan basically is just to, uh, they're all going to flee on transports which aren't shielded, and Poe's convinced that that's just going to get everyone killed. 
Um, Poe's mutiny fails because it turns out uh, Leia wakes up and knocks him out. Um, and then we find out that, hey, the plan is actually that they're going to sneak, they're going to be cloaked and sneak away to a uh, mineral rich planet with an old rebel base on it that's not on any records. So they'll be able to sneak away and contact uh, help. But because uh, uh, Rose and Finn got caught, Venetia del Toro cut a deal with the First Order what's going to happen. So they paid him a ton of money. And now the First Order just starts slaughtering the Resistance. And we got Laura Dern who is staying to, who was going to sacrifice herself. She was going to be the distraction and eventually get killed by the First Order. But now she's stuck in a different spot because everyone in the Resistance is being killed. So she has to do something. Uh, Phasma comes back. And then uh, in a theater I saw it in, which was, you know, a lively theater, but there weren't too many cheers. The first big cheer of the movie happened. When Phasma came back? No. Okay, I was like, oh, I, I liked the character in this one way more, but... Uh... No, the cheer happened when Laura Dern shot her ship into them with, at light speed. <laughs> and blew up like half their fleet, which was incredible. <laughs> On a big screen, that was an amazing moment. That elicited cheers. But it was after the silence because everyone, I think, was in shock at just how yeah. powerful that moment was, how stunning, like, visually that is. And also it's Laura Dern, fucking Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to buddy Sean Fallon from Audiences Everywhere. who uh, We were talking about it after he watched it, and he said, like, he got a new band name after that movie. Uh, it's called Laura Dern Hyperspace Kamikaze. <laughs> so... And then all hell breaks loose. I don't know if the, we don't see what happens to Benicio del Toro's character. No, I, I think he gets away because when they're cutting back and forth, there's enough time for him to have gotten away. Or he could just be dead, or it doesn't matter because the last line he leaves Finn with is maybe a little, little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, there, there would have been enough time for him to look out and be like, hey, what's that? And then blow up. Oh, yeah. Which uh, they could have done. So uh, he couldn't be alive. I really don't know. But uh, one person who doesn't live is Phasma. Who, uh, she, she gets it. And she has a great, like, one, she's only in this movie for like two minutes. But she has a great little moment where you see her eye looking back at uh, Finn. Which is just a reminder that even though she's under that mask, she, she was a person too at one point. Mm-hmm. That's just a brief, a little brief moment that's pretty great. Yeah. And uh, I, I know there's not really a lot of quote-unquote fan service moments in this movie. But uh, I, I would say, and not as a negative, showdown between Finn and Phasma is definitely that. But not in an, Yeah, because you don't totally way. need it. Yeah, you don't totally need it. But at the same time, I would argue that it benefits Finn's arc because now he's not, uh, he's not entirely running away anymore. I think that's the moment where he's officially like allowed to show through action, like physically, that he's going to stick around to fight against the First Order. Yes. And it's a pretty kick-ass quick little fight, too. Yep. Nothing. It's, it's very brief, but doesn't need to be any longer than it is. Yeah. Even though that scene feels like the climax of the film, <laughs> it isn't. Because then we go to the Rebel base, and it doesn't really matter because they're fucked because the Resistance basically caught... I mean, the, the First Order caught them. Also, you mentioned that, you know, the lightsaber got broken, which is a pretty important moment. Yeah, I mean, this one really cleans the plate from leftovers of 
all the previous Star Wars movies, really. The lightsaber that has gone through two, three generations of Skywalkers is no more. It could always be uh, retrofitted onto a uh, staff-type item if uh, someone wanted to do a little bit of a Darth Maul-type thing. Yeah, uh, that'd be kind of cool. It might be a little more adept for uh, Ray. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, 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 never thought about that. That's cool. Oh, like this movie's not precious about anything, really. Yeah. Which is part of what makes it great. The only thing it didn't, like, you know, fuck up, like, destroy, which I thought they would, honestly, as we were moving in. Because as we're moving into the final act, I honestly got the feeling that this movie could go anywhere. And, like, I was like, the people, everyone's going to die. <laughs> and um, they didn't blow up the Falcon, which I thought was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, um, we talked about that. And uh, the way the story ends up playing out, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense not to do it in this one. No offense, but J.J. probably won't have the guts to destroy the Falcon. If he does, I will give an enormous amount of props when it happens, because I, I think they need to sooner than later. Mm. We'll see. I could see it maybe surviving a couple, like maybe like two more movies. <laughs> but that's it. Also, we should we brushed over really quickly that uh, we lost a real hero in this film very early on. Wait, who? Admiral Akbar's dead. Oh fucking no! <laughs> I was genuinely like confused. I was like, wait, no, he didn't. You don't remember? No, I remembered that. Yeah, when they're like they make oh, a... Admiral Akbar and all the fucking Akbar blew up. <laughs> If, if I had been a betting man in Vegas, I wouldn't have bet that. <laughs> and uh, even though he, he dies on screen, he really doesn't because it's, uh, it's, it's not vital to the moment. It's, it's about like... No. He gets, he gets one line in this movie and then dies. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that it, it wasn't... It's a trap. It is like every variation of that except yeah. it's a trap. Because <laughs> it was a trap. Yeah, that just made me happy. <laughs> it is not a movie... Concerned with pleasing fans, to say the least. It's a it's a film that very much wants to challenge. Like it's basically a film telling fans to put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, it, there you go. It is a challenging Star Wars movie, and yes, I, I think that's what's going to make it last more than anything. It's a it's a fucking well made movie, especially mm. for the budget, because I know God knows how hard it is for these things to come together at that size. But yeah, it is. God damn. And I'm going to be living in suspense to see if they can keep this up and do another good one. It would be unfair to see if they can keep it up for, you know, if they can make a movie better than this, but I would like to see one that's at least good. Well, yeah, we get into the battle, which is this brilliant fight on over a uh, snow on salt <laughs> on this mineral planet. Which is a it's there. There's basically what was it called like a a battering ram cannon. Yeah, not the most not the most creative name. But Poe Dameron has the best. Like a what now? <laughs> <laughs> so that but so they got to destroy that. That becomes the big thing. I could see people complaining about like suddenly ending up here, but but I don't know. I I think it works. I do too because it, it ultimately continues this the trajectory of the ideas in the movie where that uh you don't have to to win in a battle 
to be victorious. And yeah. just because you do win, sure as shit doesn't mean you're going to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Which I think is very important for Kylo Ren's final scene in the movie. But uh, let, let, let's hold off on that. Let's talk about uh, everything else just really quick in the battle. Uh, I like so, that the ground looks like it's bleeding. Yes. Just beautiful. Just kicking up all that snow, just making all the... Uh, it looks great. Um, just a, such a vis- visually interesting battle. Um, and that's when I started getting the moments where it's like, where shit's starting to get bad. We get towards the end of it when Poe finally realizes, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't sacrifice ourselves to do this. Or we can't really do it. We've lost. We have to accept that we lost and take the hit. Finn decides he's going to sacrifice himself. And I honestly thought that was going to happen. I, I thought so, too. I was bracing for it. I was like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. It, and I was so nervous. Like, I was like, are they really going to do that? And it got very close. And then it didn't because Rose crashed into him and saved him. But then we go to thinking Rose died. <laughs> and I'm just sitting in the theater like, fucking don't do this to me. <laughs> That's when I was like really like lose. Like I was, there was like a fucking panic attack that last <laughs> act of this film. Like, whole, like I was just fucking losing my mind. Of course, uh, we find out that they've sent out a distress signal, but no one's coming. And they've been abandoned. Except for... Luke Skywalker suddenly shows up and has a great little moment with Leia. And I just want to say, so, like, you know, he has that fight with Kylo. I'm assuming everyone is listening to this, see, has seen the movie, so I don't need to build it up like it was built up in the fucking... At first, I thought, and I immediately thought he was a projection when he showed up, right? But then everyone could see him. And I thought that a projection would only show up in, like, Leia's mind. So I was kind of left in suspense of, like, is Luke really there or is he not there? And the movie doesn't address it immediately, which that's a fucking daring thing to do. Because so many people would probably checked out when Luke showed up. And that movie trusts that people wouldn't do that. Because honestly, let's say if Luke had just shown up like that, it would have been bullshit. Like, how'd he get there and why does he look so different? And also, there's all these subtle hints that he's not really there. I wouldn't say subtle, but like, he's using a lightsaber that he wouldn't have. Yeah, that, that was the first thing that crossed my mind. I was like, nah, they're going to explain it. By that point, I, I was convinced that he wasn't a... Uh wasn't really there after the, the cannon barrage. Um, I wasn't sure. I honestly was in suspense that whole time because I was like this, because I was honestly just in the grips of the movie. Like, I was ready for it to go anywhere. I'm, I'm, like, I was almost ready for Luke to, like, blow up the planet with his mind. <laughs> like, like, they could have taken that in any direction. I, and I, I was... I'm kind of talking a little shit because I wasn't entirely sure. Like, they could have... They could have uh, like had him start bleeding or something. I could have been cut by the lightsaber, and I would have been like, "Oh shit, I knew it," but I really didn't. Yeah, like I was still super glued to the screen. And uh, I will say that the second time I watched it, I, I noticed that the the sand beneath his feet doesn't it doesn't change like Kylo's. It yep. doesn't change when they're when they're they're walking across it. There's a lot of moments like that, and I mean, Luke he brushes the salt off him, but there actually isn't any salt there. Yeah. So it's 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 a great little moment. Also, there's a line like, "Hey, how'd he get in there? There must be another way out of this base." You know, you think, "Oh, all right, now they're going to explain how Luke got here." Like you're kind of, like that's kind of where your mind's at. But then when you finally get to the end of that tunnel, you realize that it's there's the hole there. It's not big enough for anyone to fit. So that pretty much like shows that oh, that's not how Luke got in. But I was so fucking nervous that I was going to see Luke get stabbed to death on the screen. 
I think it was uh, Brian Fuller posted a picture that was like Star Wars, and instead of Last Jedi in the middle, it just said, "I, I swear to God, I don't want to see Luke Skywalker die." <laughs> and I mean, I was nervous for that whole thing, and then you know, and then it's re- the reveal happens. I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to be able to talk about what happens next. I, I got you. I got you. I don't know if I'm, I'm fully ready, but uh, a projection of Luke Skywalker is has essentially taken up all his energy to to reach it across the galaxy to confront Kylo, acknowledge his failure, and realize that it is not his fight anymore. But he still had the part to play this one time. This is, I think, this is how they're going to be Kylo with, or obviously they're going to how they're going to be Kylo with not physical power, but willpower and empathy, and I think that's. Ray's strength, and I think that was always Luke's strength. He he allows everyone to escape, and uh, his body vanishes on, on the battlefield, anyways. And Leia and Ray realize that his time has come, and so Luke looks over at the setting sun of Aktu. In the final moments, that classic binary sunset theme kicks up, and the the sun becomes two suns, just like that moment in the original mm-hmm. Star Wars, and. I was in, in such shock and awe the first time I saw it. I, I was sad, but it didn't, it didn't hit me. It's like when I saw the first, The Force Awakens for the first time. I was like, yeah, this is good, but I don't think I love it. Except this time I did love it. I just didn't know how to process what I was watching in a, mm-hmm. in a human manner. And then the second time, last night, at the time of this recording, and I was watching it. I was like, oh, fuck, here it comes. Like the choking up, holding back tears. I can't even say it. Other than that might be the most beautiful shot in the movie. <laughs> somehow in the in a movie that looks this good that is i i would agree that is the most beautiful at least thematically resounding that's the poster i want and just his story has come full circle where wonderfully constructed and played character for generations now and um you gotta cl- the, the book is closed it is no longer luke's story but also more so i think it's important to note that it is no longer the skywalker's story Mm-hmm. which is important for these movies moving forward. And I'm glad uh, they pulled that trigger this early. As am I. And as sad as I am to watch Luke go, holy fuck, what a way to, to end your movie. And there's still a couple scenes after that. Like at first when I was watching, I was like, wait, how is this not the final shot of the movie? I don't understand. Mm. And then, like I was getting frustrated. I was like, no, you, you can't top that. And you really can't. But for the story they're telling, there, there does need to be a little bit more to be addressed. So Kylo walks into the base. They're all gone. You know, he's fucking furious. Then he sees the little, little chain that Luke brought Leia that was on the hook of the Millennium Falcon uh, from the original Star Wars. Not most of them, but the original one. And then it vanishes in his hands. And as his troops storm the base, all he's left with is an empty room with no one else around him, just alone by himself. I love that. Even in victory, he's defeated. It, that is that is quintessential Star Wars shit right there. Yes. I feel like. And uh, the final moments in the Millennium Falcon where everyone's kind of just licking their wounds. And they're just like, holy shit, what do we even do now? And then Leia tells Rey, like, we have everything we need. And all they need is each other. Obviously, more than that, but you got to start somewhere. Rose ends up like Finn at the end of The Force Awakens. I guess all these movies are going to end with someone passed out <laughs> or knocked unconscious. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Poe and Ray meet because they never met in the first movie. That was a nice little. That was a nice little moment. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, they, that didn't happen. 
Uh, <laughs> and that was, that was great. And then they hyperspeed off into another unknown future as they have to rebuild a new resistance, we'll call it, until it's officially announced that they're building a rebellion. But it's still not over. There's one more little tidbit where we see these young kids talking about the myth of Luke Skywalker. And they're just playing with their toys. They're, we see them earlier on Canto Bite. They stand up to a, one of the, the, I guess, alien horse things. I don't know what they're fucking called. There's a whole subplot with these kids. Yeah. That's very brief. That, that is a subplot, kids. <laughs> and, so uh, fucking pay attention. They're whipped back to work. And this little kid storms off angrily. He walks out to this hangar bay. Casually, Force brings a broom to him and starts sweeping. And then he looks up into the sky, and you see a little rebellion ring on his finger. He watches a ship fly off in the distance. And that's it. Holy fuck. Yeah, I don't think I can actually say anymore and hold myself together, so. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fair. Because it's a pretty big movie. It is. And uh, there was still stuff that wasn't talked about. Because it's yeah, just this is going to be... I'm going to enjoy revisiting this one, even if I end up finding out that it's actually a bad movie in some way. It's not, but um, I get what you mean. I don't know. I, still, I feel like I still got to let this one sit. Because literally, it's only been in my life about a day now. <laughs> yeah, I, I have the... Uh, so, I recognize I have the luxury of letting it sit with me for like a week. So I managed to see it twice in one day, but... Yeah, I actually might go again later. I don't know yet. I'm going to see if there's still seats available. I know I will see it one more time in theaters at least. And actually, I would, when I first came out of it, I was like, I don't, I need to see that again, but I wasn't sure if I needed to see it like opening night again because it's mm -hmm. a lot to process. A lot. <laughs> yes. And then uh, I started thinking about it. I was talking with some friends after, like I said, and I was like, oh shit, no, I need to watch this like as soon as possible again because I need to discover what it means to me. And uh, it, it means a lot to me. I, it is, without a doubt, my favorite movie of the year now. Uh, I didn't, didn't expect that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very surprised at how much I loved it. it I, yeah. <laughs> I got, like, yeah, that's, that's all I got. Mm -hmm. Just, um, it is something I'm in love revisiting, continuing to talk about. It isn't just a great Star Wars movie, I think it's a movie that we actually need right now as well. I'm going to hold back on saying that a little bit. I get where you're coming from just because right now we're in a really weird spot with uh, corporate Hollywood. And I oh, wouldn't no. feel comfortable giving credit to a film that's a product of that. Um, although this is a film basically about how neoliberals are going to get us all killed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the corporate bullshit nonsense is, I can't ignore that. You're right. I, I shouldn't ignore that. But if we have Ryan Johnson to thank for the directions and the ideas at hand, I, I will at least say that this, this yes. is, a, a, we, we needed this voice. Right. And he had now. a hell of a foresight because he finished filming like before shit really got bad. Oh yeah. It's sort of like Logan. Where they're like, uh, we, fin we, we filmed before all this stuff happened, but also, it is scarily relevant. So Yes, sometimes there's a lot of films in the past year. A lot of, years, a lot of films about walls. If someone is unsure immediately of how they feel, there's no reason to go out there and be like, I hated it. And if you didn't like it, 
It's also okay too. Just make sure you understand why you don't. Who cares what anyone else thinks? Yeah, you got to do some uh, soul searching, like every character in this film did. Yeah, I think I think in the next in the next couple of days we're probably going to see a lot of debate about whether or not any of these arcs actually followed through, which I think we touched on a little bit, but I I haven't had enough time to process if everything really follows through in a way. Um, like I said, I felt a couple of the arcs were very rushed. One could argue that we're still kind of because this is a middle story. There's no real ending for a lot of these arcs. We just kind of get like a, a boost in where they're going. So once we actually start having real discussions about the movie and not fanboy stupidity, it's going to, we'll see. We'll see where things go. I don't, I don't want to do the whole speculation thing because there's literally nothing to speculate on yet because yeah. there's no script. <laughs> the only thing I'm guessing is that the Knights of Ren are going to show up finally. Since I'm guessing it that early, that probably means it's not going to happen. <laughs> I want the raid guys to come back. I know they all got eaten by Rathars. We don't know that. Okay, sure. I guess. And Maybe we'll meet uh, King Prana. I have, I have no idea who that is. That's who he was getting the Rathars for. Oh, okay. Do you even <laughs> listen to the movies you're watching? <laughs> I must have missed that, that small tidbit. King Prana, made by a CGI resurrected Orson Welles. Cue the wine commercial. Ah, the French champagne. That's that's Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I mean, yep. What else is there to say? Because there's, well, there's a lot to fucking say. But there's a lot to say. It does not but, need to be said now. Yeah, this is. These are our initial reactions. I'm just. I'm more overwhelmed by the film than uh, knowing how I feel about it. But having having sat with my feelings, I've. I will. I'm going to find this film very interesting. Well, let's finish this. Where can people find you, Diego? Oh, wow. We're reversing it for the final one. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-G-G-O Waffles. Waffle Press. Audiences everywhere. Yada, yada. Links down below. Where can people find you, Matt? I'm at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com. Yay. We, we did it. Yep. How does it feel? The fuck you asking me? <laughs> How does it feel? Are you fucking challenging me? Like it's Are you saying I'm weak? <laughs> you didn't like, like, and subscribe. Fucking come on down. <laughs> come on like, down. <laughs> like and subscribe. Come on down. Because you might find something to do, like. I got some lessons for you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally. Punk ass. <laughs> I need someone to show me my place in all this.